Packers Daily with Jason Martinez. Friday, October 8th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Now just a week away from the regular season. Final preseason tune-up happens tonight in Washington against the Caps. And one week from now, we will be celebrating dropping the puck on the 2021-22 NHL season. Now speaking of celebrations, coming up on November 16th, there's going to be a celebration at the Wells Fargo Center. It's going to be Flyers Hall of Fame night. And yesterday, the Flyers announced that Paul Holmgren and Rick Tockett will be the newest inductees into the Flyers Hall of Fame during a pregame ceremony, like I said, on Tuesday, November 16th, before the Philadelphia Flyers take on the Calgary Flames. Holmgren and Tockett were selected for induction by a voting committee comprised of current Flyers Hall of Fame members, Flyers alumni, members of the front office, broadcasters, and members of the Philadelphia chapter of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, and yours truly. So congrats to Paul Holmgren, well-deserved, and congrats to Rick Tockett, well-deserved as well. We're going to hear from Chuck Fletcher. He had a media availability yesterday, so we'll play that for you, but we're going to get to our guest of honor, and he is one of the people going into the Flyers Hall of Fame on November 16th. It is former Flyer Rick Tockett, and he joins us on Flyers Daily. Talk, how you doing? Chase, how are you? Really good. Uh, got the news and uh, really thrilled uh, to be part of the the elite group of guys there. The unbelievable bunch of guys too, and all friends of mine too. So, uh, and the guys that were inducted, they're going to get in too. So it's it's a it's a it's a fun day to to find out. As a, I was one of the uh, people on the committee, the voting committee, not the nomination committee. And as I'm looking over everything and all the nominations, I'm looking at your at your numbers and not only just your numbers, but what you brought to the the organization. the The fact that you fit the DNA like to a T. But, you know, when you got drafted by the Flyers, you had to go. Eh, that that fits. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was lucky. Terry Chris was my coach. He was a former Flyer, won a couple Stanley Cups. Um, so he kind of coached that way, the, the way that the Flyers, uh, the way they wanted things done, um, the way the teamwork, the way we practice, the way we were off the ice, uh, even the, just the way they take care of players. And when I got drafted, same thing, Jason. I mean, when I, when I was a 19-year-old kid, they took care of everything. Uh, they just wanted you to worry about hockey. Um, and I know today, I mean, I, I, I'm not part of the organization, but just from talking to people that have been there recently – they do the same thing. So it's a, it's a, it's one of the best franchises in pro sports. No question. And Ed Schneider was the best owner I've probably I've ever had. You needed them to take care of everything. You came in as a 20 year old and played 75 games in your rookie year at 84, 85. Uh, you, you recall that jump going from Sue in the, in the OHL to, to the NHL and what it was like? Yeah, I was, um, I remember my first game, Mike Keenan put me on a power play as on the five on three on the point. I've never played the point in my life, maybe in a church league when I was six years old. Um, so very, I just remember my first game, very nervous. Um, but just the, in the spectrum, you know, the, the 17,000 fans, um, just, just the whole, I, I can't describe it, you know, come from Sault Ste. Marie to here. Um, but then obviously being part of that team, how really helped me. Like, I didn't feel like I was alone out there. I, I was behind the organization. I had some great players to, to help me out. So, um, they made it a lot easier for me than it really was. You had a couple of young guys coming up at that time as well, Peter Zezel. So you guys had like a kind of a young core to kind of grow together, didn't you? 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Murray Craven, Derek Smith, Peter Zezel, Pelly Eklund. I mean, you know, for, for the younger kids, man, not all these people, these guys were great players. They were they were terrific teammates. And we hung together. We were a young team, you know. Uh, Dave Poulin was a young guy. Timmy Kerr, uh, Brad McCurman, great, you know, Mark, like just the best of the best. And uh, Mike Keenan knew we had a young team, and he molded us. He wanted us to be a hardworking team. That was what he was top. But he, I, I guarantee you, Edmonton won the cup, but we were the best shaped team in the league. If there was a cup for the best shaped team, we were definitely the best shaped team, best shaped team in the league. But how important was it for you two to come in and be on a team that was good? You know, you didn't come into a rebuild situation. You came in, you get to the cup in '85, you get there again in '87, both against Edmonton, which that team was absurd, obviously. But to, to come in and have that kind of team around you, that structure, a good organization. And, and all those elements, I, it's a great way to launch your NHL career. I I can't think of a better organization team to break for me going in. I I I, I just went into a, a structured family type of atmosphere. You know, I I was a close. Uh, my family is very close to an Italian family, and I remember when I left. My mom was crying, and I remember I went there, and about the week after, I told her mom, I, I swear it's it's like family here. Um, the way Ed Snyder. Uh, ran the organization. Um, they took care of your families if if if, if you need, they needed something. Um, they took the excuses out of the game. You know, there was no, you know, we were ahead of our time. The way we practiced, we always had, I mean, some organizations didn't even have team meals on the road. We had always had team meals. We had, um, you know, I know Mike Keenan had a team credit card. He'd say, hey, take the, you know, to, to, to take the guys out for dinner. Like, those are the things they never did back then. For these but and but Ed Snyder started that stuff and now everybody does it now. But I think the Flyers were ahead of their time. Yeah, and that brings the group together. Uh, let yeah. me ask you about playing for for Mike Keenan because we know that Mike uh, was one tough dude and he was very demanding. Uh, did you take kind of the lessons learned from Mike earlier in your career? Not only apply it to your playing career throughout, but then also when you became a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love Mike Keenan. I mean, yeah, there's some stuff that. I disagreed and we've talked about it today, like uh, that his tactics probably can't do nowadays, but uh, he made me a mentally tough, um, you know, he, he, he told me how to, you know, how to practice like a pro and make sure you're in shape and all that stuff. And, you know, there's some, there's an, un, he puts you in some uncomfortable situations uh, and you, you know, to win a Stanley cup or to win any, any pro sport championship, you're going to be uncomfortable. You know, it's impossible. Nothing's going to go right every time. And he, right from September, he he puts those, he applies that pressure on you right away, and that was his way of getting us ready um, for the postseason or trying to make the playoffs. So that was one thing I always admire about Mike that he was he was a tactician when it came to that the mental aspect of the game. I talk about that on this podcast all the time yeah. about it being important to to make the players to make people uncomfortable, not just to make them uncomfortable, yeah. so that when they get into a situation they can't control, they're they're not shocked by it. Right. It, that's the thing. That's why you do it. Even when you push yourself in drills and everything. You're 100 percent right, Jason. Tom Brady's, the, you know, he's, he's a goat. Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn, those guys, you know, when those guys practice under pressure, they they, they that's what they're so great at is when it comes instinctive in a game. You know, you know, 30 seconds left in a game. You know, Wayne Gretzky or one of those guys have a two on one. They've done it so much. They're, they're so instinctual that it doesn't matter. They have 18,000 people screaming at them or they're in, a, in an empty rink. They've already lived and played that over and over again. And I think that's the key uh, uh, with Mike, especially with our team, that he put us in those situations in practice. 
So when we went into Washington and New Jersey uh, in the playoffs, uh, we were used to that uncomfortable feeling. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's tremendous. I love that story. Um, let's talk about just the honor of getting in, Rick, because, um, you know, you, you alluded to it right off the top that they're the names that are in the Flyers Hall of Fame are. Yeah. Boy, there's some celebrated names. there, some big boys. And you're going to be a part of that. What, what does it mean to you to kind of have your name hung up in those rafters in Philadelphia where you spent so many, you know, so many nights playing in front of these fans? Well, I mean, it's not that humbling because um, I know most of those guys. Um, not only great people, uh, great players, are, they're great people. I mean, uh, they've always, they've touched somewhat, you know, whether time with some guys more than others, but they've touched me in some way when I was with the Flyers. And even today, when you talk to certain guys, um, and you just don't want to let, you don't want to let people down. You know, when you go up there, you want to make sure that you can you continue the legacy. Um, you know, I still talk to a lot of guys today. Um, you know, Mark Recchi texted me today. You know, he's a guy that will probably get in like, you know, an NHL Hall of Famer. So, you know, you just, you know, Dave Poole and I just actually before chatting with you, I was on the phone with him. So it just the memories come back. And that's something that people never take away is those memories, you know, that when you were together playing and, and adversity and, and then the fun that you had um, to go up on the on, 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 you know, on the banner with all those guys is, is a humbling experience. You talk about that. That's the thing you miss the most about playing, too, isn't it? It's the boys. It's the camaraderie. Probably, Jason, the closest, you know, I, listen, I played 18 years. I played on some really close teams. But that first five, six years, um, I, don't, I don't know if you can get any closer from, from the roster. From 1 to 23, um, you go in a hotel lobby on the road, and, you know, one of the guys would say, we're going to dinner. Who wants to go? There's usually be double digits, you know. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get some teams, you get four or five guys. There used to be 11, 12 guys all the time, and that's the type of team we had. Uh, and that that's so important, too. Let, let me ask you about uh, greatness, because you played in Pittsburgh. You won a cup in 92 with Mario. Yeah. You uh, coached alongside Wayne Gretzky. You played against him. Uh, you coached in Pittsburgh as an assistant, won a couple of cups with Sidney Crosby. What is it? Is there a secret uh, yeah. formula? of greatness. Obviously it's talent, but it goes well beyond talent. It's drive and it's all of those things, C competitiveness in your experience with some of those huge names I just mentioned, what is the common denominator? Yeah. And, and you could have picked three better human beings and, and three better Mount Rushmore type guys, you know, uh, the, the, they all have in common Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn and city cry. First of all, their demeanor, never get too high, never get too low. I don't know. Uh, it was inbred in them or was taught to them. Um, they knew how to get to, to even keel. And I think that's really important for start, uh, you know, for a team, like not too high, too low. Uh, and the moment was never too big, you know, pressure situation. I, I would see how these guys reacted. Um, they didn't waste um, a lot of uh, their breath, you know, because they were, they were, they were relaxed in a, in a, in a, in a very uncomfortable pressure situation. I, you, you know, wasn't, they were hyperventilating and they, you know, some players get on the ice in, in a pressure situation and you get jumpy. And I never saw that out of those guys because they, they're, they were so instinctual and they, they've been there before, but they had that calmness. Uh, they could slow, you know, we always talk about, you could slow the game down. Those guys could slow the game down and off the ice, their generosity. Um, all three guys. I mean, I'm glad you brought those three guys. The behind-the-scenes stuff, going to hospitals, the, the the money out of their pocket to charities, their time. All three 
were unbelievable. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, they, it's not always, you know, it's not always publicized what they do. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very lucky that those guys, I, I had a piece of my life with those guys. And, and still today, Mario's a close friend of mine. Wayne Gretz, one of my best buddies. And obviously Sid Crosby, I talk quite a bit. So um, very fortunate to, to, to be part, part of those three guys' uh, lives in my career. You're you're with Wayne again. You guys are both yeah. on TNT. You've made the jump talk. You're a TNT analyst now. The NHL moving to TNT and ESPN. Uh, I know you've only gotten you know just started with a couple preseason games, but how's it feel being on the desk? You've done some broadcasting before, so uh, kind of old hat for you. Yeah, I actually did pre and post with the Flyers, and actually that great run when they went to the finals. That was one of the most fun times ever in broadcasting for me. I, I got yeah, you and I on TV together back then with two yeah. bald heads. Oh yeah, we had the bald head going and. Uh, it was great. I remember, you know, the bar there in the in the uh, uh, the arena Fargo, there. Yeah, yeah, Wells yeah. Fargo in the back, and the the, the million, the thousands of people yelling and screaming, drinking, and that was a great time. But yeah, TNT is a, I got to tell you, very first class. It, it's it's a it's a team there. Like I, I love the way they do things. Charles Barkley's a buddy of mine, and when I got the job, he called me, said you're going to love it there, uh, the way they do things. And yeah, I'm on the other side. So uh, I mean, you know. I'm, I can't wait to give the fans a perspective as a player, a coach, some stories, and, hey, be opinionated because um, they want to hear. They want to hear some stuff. Uh, uh, and so there's going to be – and you know what, Jason? There's going to be a lot of good storylines this year. You know, the yeah. pressure of some teams to, to make the playoffs, uh, some teams to, to advance far in the playoffs. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines, like Connor McDavid's and, you know, uh, guys like that, McKinnon, um, you know, Sidney Crosby and Pitchers. There's a lot of great players, a lot of young players coming up. And uh, for the Flyers themselves, obviously did a great job this summer acquiring some players, um, but they're in a tough division. So it's it's going to be interesting that Metro- Metropolitan. I'm, I'm anxious to watch that throughout the year. Yeah, and I love the TNT's approach too. There's a little bit of a reverence to it. It's not yeah. you know stuffy, and they want to pro- yeah. uh, give it kind of kind of a facelift. Let me ask you, talk because when you played, there wasn't as many teams in the league. Hard, probably harder now to make the playoffs because there's 32 teams and parity. But is it harder now to win the cup than when you played? Because those wars when you got – it's still a war, you know, four rounds to get there to win the cup. But th- those those wars back in, in the 80s and 90s, I mean, come on. They were absolutely – I mean, you were coming out with probably a couple missing teeth and at least a few <laughs> stitches. Yeah, that part, yes. The, the, the aggressiveness, the, the, the way the game was played, a little different, obviously. Um the difference is like once, you know, usually the number one seed, if they played the eighth seed or back, even back in the, you know, uh, early uh, or in the seventies, early eighties, they play one versus 16, not as many upsets. Now, mm-hmm. if you make the, the eighth seed or the seventh seed is upsetting the number one seed, it, it's happened. You know, it, it can happen. You saw, you know, Montreal, look at Montreal. Did they walk through the, yeah. uh, and walk through it? I mean, they had to earn it, but they get to the final. So um, that's what you're talking about. The parody. Um, there's, there's not a lot of differences between some teams. Um, there's inches, you know. It's a goal post here or there. It's an injury here or there. It's a bad call or a good call. Um, and you got to fight through those. That's the adversity of that. Uh, when we won the back-to-back with Pittsburgh, um, there's a lot of things that got to go your way, and there's a lot of adversity you have to go through. Um, and I'll tell you what, another thing, you got to go deep in your roster. It's, you're not going to mm-hmm. have to one through 21. You're going to – the 27th guy in your roster will probably play a playoff game and will probably – do something special for you to win the game. And that that's, that's history. You, know, you can look at all the teams that won the cups, especially the last bunch of years here. Somebody has done something special to help the team win. And he might be not even be on the, 
on the um, on the open day roster. So you got to be ready at all times. Yeah, I remember talking to Craig Berube after Chief one. He said it, it's a bear to win, and you need luck along the way. He had a little bit of bad luck, but he found a way to turn that with this group. With that, the end of that one Vegas game where they kind of that penalty situation, but he turned that to bring the group together and then charge forward. You need things like that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, listen, Craig Berube's in last place um, around Christmas time when he took the team over. And what he did that four months, um, you know, and they and, and and you know they have a good team this year. I mean, they obviously, they weren't happy the last couple of years, but winning a cup, um, and you have to. He they have experience, right? And that's what you. That's what all teams need is that experience to go through things. And you know, how do you, you know, in certain situations, how do you deal with things? Uh, I, I think that the teams that have dealt with it are, have a, maybe an outside a, a better chance because they've experienced it. But there are some some young teams here that. They don't care. They, they young guys with youth. Sometimes they just don't care, and they just want to play. And sometimes that's a dangerous thing, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you. You're going to be behind the desk this year, but um, you've been coaching, and you've done a hell of a job. Um, you, you can look for look to get back behind the bench because it suits you. You're damn good at it, and I know the the players that play for you respect you and respect the way you you conduct yourself as a head coach. Yeah, I, I went deep with Seattle and, and the Ranger job in Columbus, and uh, you know, I, I I actually really enjoyed the process this summer of going through it. You know, I, I didn't obviously get the job, but uh, learned a lot. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna really take this year to to look at: is there other ways you can reinvent yourself as a coach? Is there other ways to coach? Uh, is there other ways to practice? You know, you you know, we all know systems. I know systems. Are, is there a different approach on the way you, you you play on the offensive end? So I think I'm gonna really dive in that. I got some really good friends that are coaches today, uh, John Cooper, Craig Bruby, Travis Green. So I picked their brains. So I'm going to take this year to really kind of, how do you become a better coach? And uh, and if there's a job out there and, I'm, and I interview it, I'll be prepared for it. So it's going to be a fun year, but it's also going to be a year I want to work at it. Yeah, the game just keeps evolving, doesn't it? It changes every year. And as a coach, you can't coach the way you did six years ago now because exactly. the game's changed. Yeah, if you're not if you're not changing with the times, I think the the game's just going to pass you by. Um, yeah. I think you have to really and really, to be honestly, a coaching, yeah, X and O's are big, and you know all that stuff. But your relationship with players, how you deal with your players, it's a uh, the the young players are different than they were 20 years ago, um, and they ask a lot of whys and they, they ask you a lot of questions. They, you know, they just you know when I played, it's like, hey, you're doing it this way, go do it. If you're not, you're going to sit the bench now. You got to work with it's. I, I call it a partnership. You have to have a partnership with a player. You got to make them feel that they have a voice, and uh, you know that they're going to be accountable. Obviously, you got to make them accountable. But I just think it's important that they have a voice in what you're trying to do. Yeah, I remember you know playing growing up. It was the coach was yes why, and he said I'll let you know when it's not a you know when it's a democracy. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> You'll be informed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Then, there's no, there's no just dictatorship. There's no dictatorship. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you real quick about this Flyers team because you just alluded to it. Chuck Fletcher did a lot of retooling over the summer. He brings in guys like uh, Ryan Ellis. Have you seen in this league? And we know the player that he is and the character that he brings. Cam Atkinson, a guy like Keith Yandel, a veteran who hasn't missed a game since March of 2009. I think I had Harold last time he missed a game. And you, you look at these guys that he brought in, Rasmus Ristolainen, and some accountability, physicality on the ice as well. Uh, is this a team poised to make the next step? They certainly look better on paper, but the game's not played there. Yeah, I, I think me personally, uh, when your team has pressure on them to be successful or, 
it means that they have a good team. Listen, there's a lot of pressure on this team to make the playoffs. You look at that on paper, does it look like – yeah, I think it should make the plus. It's a good hockey team. they got some really good players. Listen, Claude Giroux's got some gas still left in the tank. You know, he's a guy that can still score that goal to, to game winner with five minutes left. You know, they, they had to shore up defensively. You know, they needed some some bigger buys. Ellis, I, you know, we played against him in the finals, uh, National and Pittsburgh, and, you know, he blocks shots. He's a, he, he can also play offense, but, man, he's a man out there. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned, it's line. And those guys, he's a big guy. Um, and I think Tampa had the, the recipe, you know, you're defensive, they're mobile, but they're big and they're lanky, you know, the, you know, look at Montreal's defense, you yeah. know, um, I think their defense was the reason why they went to the finals, lanky, big, you know, they kept people, uh, they boxed people out, obviously you have great goaltending and Terry Price, but I thought that, and I think the Flyers have, have looked at that model and went and acquired those guys because they want to get that defense in that kind of bigger mobile uh, type of defense, and I think they have enough scoring. Fabry, obviously, even you know, he had scoring last year, he's scoring in precinct, so you know he's a sniper. Um, you know, I love Kateria the way he plays the game. They got they got a good team. They should, you know, the Flyer fans should expect to make the playoffs. And I know AV's a great coach, um, and I, I see them making the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating season. It's getting ready to start. Last two things for you, um, kind of rapid fire in your playing days, who's the one guy that when he was in the lineup, you're in warmups and he's over there on the other side warming up. You're going, oh, geez, I got to deal with this guy tonight. <laughs> well, it wasn't that I, I, I actually embraced it as like Scott. I remember playing against Scott Stevens a lot. And yeah, we had, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, we had a good bunch of wars. And, but it was like, I knew if I was going to the net, I was going to get cross-checked and he knew if he was going to cross-check me, he was going to get it right back. So you knew those games were going to be tough. And, but the, you know, the fly, that's what I loved about the spectrum because they, they felt it, they knew it and they got you energized. You know, they, they knew it. Hey, you got two combatants. We want to see it. And they'd be yelling and screaming and it just got your heart pumping. So yeah, he was one guy. I mean, he was a hall of famer. He's a hell of a defenseman, but yeah. he was one guy I used to love going to war against. Yeah. There was no free lunch when he was around. <laughs> no exactly. doubt. No, no. You had to earn your lunch there. Uh, what goalie was the one that tied you in knots and you just couldn't, you couldn't, beat well actually at the end of my career I started beating him a lot more but Marty Brodeur was a guy that uh, oh. yeah Marty Brodeur he was the guy that gave you fits because you'd be in front you tip a puck you know the rebound would be there you you'd go to shoot it in somehow he'd put a leg or he's such a big goalie and he was never out of position right and he had a, a great defense so that that team gave you fits yeah well that's a two hall of famers you mentioned there uh both yeah. the devils and you saw them a lot and we've seen them too much uh they're they're a little bit on the downside now but they may be creeping back up here in the metro they've got some talent there in new jersey uh yeah. talk we're looking forward to november when you're going to be enshrined along with paul holmgren which is going to be a, a fascinating night thanks for taking the time to do this best of luck at tnt we'll be watching and we'll talk soon man thanks jason i appreciate it man uh great talking great 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 questions man i love it I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be ready for TNT now because of you. Thanks. Always love catching up with Rick Tockett. He'll be back behind a bench. He's too good of a coach to not be coaching in the NHL. But I gotta say, he is really good on TV as well. I did some TV with Tock back in the 2010 Cup run. He was uh, doing some post game live stuff. I was doing some TV stuff on that uh, run to the finals as well. He's great on television. Doing TNT now, and he's going to excel there as well until he gets back behind an NHL bench. But let's get to uh, the Flyers general manager. Had a chance to address the media yesterday, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think A.V. wanted to get closer to the lines, and, and you'll see Scotty Lawton at uh, center today. And obviously we know Scotty can play center, and, and he's played a lot there. So I don't think he needs a lot of work, but uh, it'll be good to, 
to get practice going. But I was actually uh, pleasantly surprised by Morgan's camp. I, I anticipated he'd be further behind than what he was. He missed a whole season, had uh, serious shoulder surgery. And I thought his details, his commitment to defense, his competitiveness were above what I figured. I, you know, you see players come back from shoulder surgeries. It, it can be difficult um, for them to jump right back into it with confidence. And I thought he did well, uh, you know, predictably his timing's a little off. And, and I think um, having him go down to, to Lehigh Valley and play and play a lot and play every situation for, for Lappy will, will benefit him and allow him to get his timing back and his confidence back. And the next time you see him, he'll be, uh, you know, a, a vastly improved player. AV said at the start of camp about the importance, he talked about the importance of building chemistry with the lines. That's why he kept, you know, kept the lines together for so long in preseason. You just said that Morgan kind of pleasantly surprised you considering how much time he missed. Obviously, he still didn't make the team. I guess my question is, if chemistry is important and Morgan pleasantly surprised you and still didn't make the team, why did Morgan stay up in the main lines for so long in camp? You know, to, to be honest with you, the coaches uh, really like Morgan, and, and uh, this this is probably more my decision putting him putting him down. But uh, I think we wanted to give Morgan every opportunity to show what he could do. We played him with good players. We we played him in important situations, and and uh, you know. But I think the best thing for him long term is is to is to play and, and, and play in an environment where he can get his confidence. And, and uh, it's the best thing for him. It's the best thing for us. And, and, but we, we went into it, uh, you know, in good faith and, and, and wanted to give him that opportunity. And, you know, I still think we have a lot of time here. Um, we still have over a week until our first game. We'll have a lot of practice time. And, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, we have four home games where we'll have practice time. So I think chemistry can, can happen quickly. The guys have been spending a lot of time together. And, and uh, you know, I think lots is what JVR, they played together before. So, you know, I don't think it'll take all that long for, for that chemistry to, to, to happen. But again, the coaches, uh, they're really supportive of Morgan. This was more me to say, hey, let's, let's do what's right here. Let's give him a chance to, you know, it's not a rush to, to, to get him playing here. He's going to play here, but let's make sure we'll, we give him a chance to be successful. Garrett Wilson is on an AHL deal here on the PTO. It's still in camp. So what have you seen from Garrett in terms of the you know, size and the development that he brings? Well, he brings that. He has a lot of experience. And I, I think, um, you know, when AV met with the players at the beginning of camp, he said that the, the players that play the best will get rewarded. And I think we just stayed true to our word there. He's been one of the best players day in and day out. He's competed hard. And, and um, you know, I think he's earned the right to, to be here right now. Chuck, how did Morgan take the news from you? And, and what was your overall message to him? Exactly what I said to you. And, and uh, again, I, I was pleasantly surprised with how well he played. So this was not a, a punishment. Um, you know, I think he, he admitted that his timing isn't where it will be, which is normal. Again, you can't miss a full season and separate back in and be at 100%. It takes time. So he, you know, he's disappointed as anyone would be. He's a top, top player. I can't imagine he's been uh, cut, you know, many times in his life. I got cut lots, but I, I don't think uh, Morgan's had to deal with that. But I think he understands it. But in the moment, of course, you're disappointed. He's a competitor. Based on what you said about Morgan, the playing time will benefit him. Are you looking at, at that the same way? With Cam York, yeah, possibly. 
you know, we'll see how things go here. Um, we have six veteran D that have all played well in camp. And I think we're going to run it pretty lean early in the, uh, in the year, our roster. Um, uh, Does that know, mean seventy or? It might mean six, you know, there's no re we don't need a lot of extra bodies during a homestand. We can, we can recall players, but I expect there'll be a lot of movement up and down all year. And, and um, the important thing for young players though, is to make sure they're playing. What have you seen from Jackson Cates in camp? Um, day-in-day-out basis to be Yeah, Jackson's a dependable player. You know, he's he's a player that, uh, you know, right now fits in our bottom six. And what you ask of those players is to be responsible and to manage the puck and to work hard. And uh, typically you need to kill kill penalties in, in that type of role. And he does all of that well. You know, he's another player that we'll have to make sure we're monitoring his ice time. And, um, you know, he's a little bit older, but yet he doesn't have a lot of pro experience. He just want to make sure with all these players that you're, you're doing what's best for them to give them a chance to be successful. Chuck, do you have any update on the timelines for Kevin Hayes and Wade Allison? Is there any chance of Kevin to be ahead of that six to eight weeks? I, I, I hope so. I, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping he's closer to six and eight, but we'll know more the next week or two as he, as he starts to progress in his rehab and, and start to get back on the ice. We'll, we'll see how, how he feels and, and uh, you know what Jimmy McCrossin and our medical staff feels right. Until Hayes gets back, is there any thought given to how you'll set your center positions up from top to bottom? Will there be any adjustments there as far as like Claude or Scott Martin? Yeah, Scotty, I think we'll we'll move to the middle. Um, you know, we're very comfortable with him in, in the three C role. And um, you know, really the way our lines are set up, I'm not sure what the second line and what the third line is anyway. They're they're pretty, pretty even in terms of ice time and and talent in my opinion, but, uh, you know, Scotty can, can play there and, you know, kind of, kind of laugh every year since I've been here, we, we start him on the fourth line and we almost have internal bets just, you know, to put a time frame on how long it will take for him to move up into the top nine every year. But, you know, that's Scotty, uh, Scotty's lot in life, I guess. And, and, uh, you know, he, he handles it well, you got to give him credit, but one day he's second line left wing next day he's fourth line left wing. And then he's third line mm -hmm. center. He gives us he gives AV that flexibility where you trust him in any situation. You can move him around and it doesn't impact his play. Like he's never pouts, always has, always has a smile on his face. And I think he knows that eventually he'll, you know, he'll get the minutes that he traditionally gets. Going back to uh, to Morgan for a second. Um, obviously he's going to start the year down in the AHL, but I'm curious as to you know how quickly you would consider calling him back up if he seems to be getting the timing back. Like, do you have an idea of how long you want him down there at a minimum? If he does start scoring, it's the opposite side of No, that'll that'll be up to his play and, and probably our health and how players are playing here. I don't know that the best thing for him is to have him on a yo-yo, have him up for two, down for two. I don't think that particularly early in the in the season would make sense, but we'll let his play and and, and our circumstances dictate that. Chuck with Oscar Limblom, he really looks like the guy that was before his diagnosis. What, what have you seen from him? Yeah, I, I see a player that continues to improve. And, and there's another player that's still working to get his timing back. I know he played last year, but, you know, that's uh, incredibly tough what he went through. And and uh, you think all the poison he had to put in his body to, to combat the cancer. And, uh, you know, Lord knows how long that takes to, to fully work its way out of the system. And But he looks stronger. Uh, he looks quicker. Uh, certainly has a smile on his face every day. And, and uh, you know, every game I, I see plays that, he used to make, you know, I see him making plays that he used to make, and I'm sure it'll still take more time. And 
and I'm sure he'll be better in November than he is now, and, and, and that's just the way it goes. But he certainly looks like a, a quality NHL player right now. But I, I think um, we've had a lot of time to work on things in practice. I, I really think AV and the coaching staff have, have done a good job, um, you know, breaking things down. Every You guys have been here every day. We're working on different elements, and, and um, it, it seems to be uh, – seems to be clicking so far, but, you know, we'll find out eight days from now, I guess, when we get, get going for real. Chuck, with uh, Kevin Ale for maybe the first three or four weeks of the season, will you be scouring the waiver wire for a center this week, or are you content and you just kind of bite the bullet sort of uh, for the first uh, month of the season or three weeks? Yeah, I don't know that if we're particularly looking for a center. I think we have a lot of players that can play center, but if we can find an upgrade on the waiver wire, we'll, we'll certainly look at that. And uh, we look every day, like, like every club and we like our depth, but um, you know, again, some of our key depth pieces are younger players that maybe ideally you'd like to have them play in Lehigh and play bigger roles and maybe play a fourth line role up here. So uh, we'll look at every option that's there. Again, we, we can fill, uh, fill those spots easily with the players we have, but Again, I'm always trying to balance the long term and the short term. There's been a lot of talk, you know, understandably, considering how last season went about the defense, about goal prevention. But I'm curious about your thoughts on the offense, especially in the beginning of the year with, with Hayes out, you know, Morgan not being ready, Wade Allison, you expect to play a role getting hurt. Is there any concern there that you guys could, could struggle to score? You haven't had that many goals in preseason. Obviously, it's preseason. But just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. You know, typically I worry about everything. And uh you know, we lost Jake too. Jake, Jake is certainly, is arguably our most talented forward or one of them, right? He and G, I would, I would assume, and for pure uh, puck skills, and, and and we're trying to find new chemistry. We have some new additions, so I think the talents there to score. But you know, again, you, you never know how how long things will take to click. I've liked our power play. Um, I think we've, you know, again, regardless of whatever the percentage is, I. To me, it looks like we've we've been moving the puck well, and I think Yandel up top it looks to be a really strong distributor, and um, we have different elements and different options there. And, and um, you know, I think with with Jake not being here, that may allow players like Connecty and Faraby to play a bigger role. And certainly, they're young players that should, as they mature, uh, become good power play players, in my opinion. And uh, so, I think I think we have the pieces there, and, and, and time will tell. But I, I think. Um, I thought the root of our problems defensively last year really started with our forwards up the ice. So if we can get them playing the right way and, and being more responsible, that should allow us to have the puck more often or certainly more than we did last year, and which in turn logically should lead to more offense. But again, we'll, we'll hope that comes together quickly. Chuck, I know you see it's, it's dangerous to overanalyze the preseason, but is there anything um, that you want to see maybe in the, in the remaining portion of the preseason that maybe you don't think has quite been to the level you needed to be up to this point? No more injuries. <laughs> I haven't liked what I've seen that way. I've had a couple, couple of tough ones, but uh, no, at, the, at this point, honestly, you know, you never know what you get in that last game. Sometimes they're, they're intense and, and more often it seems like they're, they're not intense. So I, I think everybody knows what they need to do to, to get ready for that game next Friday, uh, a week from Friday. And, um, at this point, uh, the practice time will be critical and just, uh, again, building chemistry, continuing to, to work on our details and, and our structure. And 
but it, the group is dialed in, the coaches are dialed in, and uh, this feels much more like two years ago as compared to last year. I think there's a, a freshness in camp and uh, great attitudes. The work ethic's been strong. And again, the execution in the, in the games has been a little up and down and, and here and there. It certainly hasn't been where it will need to be, but I think the effort level's been, been great and the attitude's been great. Chuck, now that you've had most training camps of the goaltending, what have you seen from Carter during practice and during the games different than what you saw last year, either on the ice, off the ice? He's smiling. Yeah, yeah seriously, he's smiling. He looks great. You know, physically he looks great. You put, you put the time in. He worked hard this summer uh, on the ice and off the ice. But, uh, you know, I think he had a great conversation with AV at the beginning of camp, and, and uh, they're both looking forward, and, and – uh, Communication's been great. Um, he's a talented goaltender, and we all know that. And and you know, I I expect good things from Carter. Hart. You said he's smiling. How important is that? Really? I mean, in all in all honesty, I mean, I, I know yeah. you said it kind of you know lightheartedly, but I mean, I, for a goaltender to really just be in that better mood, right? I mean, it, it, it's really kind of an important thing, isn't it? Yeah, he he's a, he's he's fully in the present. You know what you need to be as a goaltender. I imagine pitchers, quarterbacks, goaltenders. You, you can't dwell, and you got to be in the present, and and, um, and that's where he's at. He's got a great mindset. Uh, he's a strong kid mentally, but he looks like he's in a you know a really good place right now, and that's uh, that's important for anybody. With his game, do you think there were you know foundation? There's foundational elements that make it totally special. Do you think he got away from that? A little bit last season, or was it strictly like you said, a, a confidence issue where you know he wasn't in a good mood mentally, so he wasn't in a good mood quite physically? I think it was a little bit of everything, and and um, but you know I, I I'm not trying to be dismissive of last year, but we, you know I think we're all just trying to to um, to look forward, but I, you know all of us last year struggled, and and I think it was everything everything for everybody, and uh, but we're. You know, we're, we're in a better place right now as a, as a team. We're in a really tough division. It's going to be a lot of hard work to get to where we want to get to. But I I, I just love um, the attitude of the, of the group right now. Again, guys are excited. and They enjoy being around the rink. You hear laughter um, down there. Uh, Keith Yandel, <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a beauty. He's a beauty. Having Hazy around has been great. And... Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fun group right now. And, again, the real work starts next week. So, hopefully, we're still st still smiling a couple weeks from now. You mentioned that. Uh, certain expectations coming into camp. Anything surprise you or any players surprise you? Um, you know, it's kind of been a – with the exception of the, uh, uh, of the extremely unfair um, accusation that uh, was made last week and that – 1030 at, on a Saturday night that uh, it's completely unfair to AV, uh, beyond unfair. I thought he handled it great. Um, but um, with the with the exception of, of that, I, I think camp has been workmanlike and, and orderly and, you know, not a lot of big surprises, but I think that's great. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been happy with how the new players have fit in both on and off the ice. And that's something you're always Looking for it takes time. Sometimes it takes time. Um, guys have came in great shape. I know we've spoken about that. Uh, players like Konechny and Sanheim and Morgan Frost and Obi Cabell. These guys came in great shape and uh, much better than last year. So you like to see that 
everybody put the effort in coming into camp. And, and I think camp has been relatively uneventful with the exception of the, the firestorm last weekend um, for Lord knows why that happened. But, um, you know, besides that, I, I think it's been uh, kind of boring, which is, which is great. Chuck Fletcher uh, meeting with the media yesterday. Thanks to Rick Tockett for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back Monday with another brand new episode. By the way, Saturday and Sunday this weekend will be the last Saturday and Sunday until the season's over that we don't do weekend episodes. We're starting seven days a week, in essence, on Monday, because we're going to go straight through next weekend and all through the season as well. So, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday's Flyers Daily.